Life Audio. You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I want to talk about a very surprising article I read in the New York Times about trans. And it's an opinion piece, but it was still shocking that the New York Times would actually discuss this. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The title of the article is, As Kids, They Thought They Were Trans, They No Longer Do. And so the writer Pamela Paul talks about kind of the the social contagion of this trans movement and how it's coming back to, to haunt these kids who went through this process. So she says, it's kind of a long article, but she says, Grace Powell, so this young girl, Grace Powell, when was 12 or 13 years old when she discovered she could be a boy. Growing up in a relatively conservative community in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Grace Powell, like many teenagers, didn't feel comfortable in her own skin. She was unpopular and frequently bullied, Puberty made everything worse. She suffered from depression and was in and out of therapy. And Grace Powell says, I felt, quote, I felt so detached from my body and the way it was developing felt hostile to me. It was classic gender dysphoria, a feeling of discomfort with your own, with your own sex. Reading about transgender people online, Grace, this young girl, Grace Powell, believed that the reason she didn't feel comfortable in her own body was that she was in the wrong body. So it's always great to go online to to get a wisdom. And then it says, the article goes on, transitioning seemed like the obvious solution. The narrative she had heard and absorbed was that if you don't transition, you'll kill yourself. Now, You've probably heard this before, but that is always kind of the emotional blackmail of this whole movement. Like if you don't allow your kids to transition and take hormones and cut off their genitals, whatever, you they're going to kill themselves. 
which is actually we'll get we'll get into that more because she disabuses us of that later in this article. At 17, Grace Powell, desperate to begin hormone therapy, she broke the news to her parents. They sent her to a gender specialist. Not sure what a gender specialist is. How do you get <laughs> How does someone become a gender specialist? I mean there's there's two genders. It's not that special. To make sure she sent her to a gender specialist to make to make sure she was serious. In the fall of her senior year of high school, she started cross-sex hormones. She had a double mastectomy the summer before college, then went off as a transgender man named Grayson to Sarah Lawrence College. Sarah Lawrence is in New York. It's a, the probably the most liberal college in America. I have some friends who went to Sarah Lawrence. She says... And she was paired at Sarah Lawrence College. She was paired with a male roommate on a men's floor. At five foot three, she felt she came across as a very effeminate gay man. At no point during her medical and surgical transition, this young girl says, Powell says, did anyone ask her about the reasons behind her gender dysphoria or her depression? At no point was she asked about her sexual orientation. And at no point was she asked about any previous trauma. So neither the therapist nor the doctors ever learned that she'd been sexually abused as a, as a child. Quote, and Grace Powell says, quote, I wish there had been more open conversations. And now she's at, at the age of 23, she detransitioned. So Grace Powell detransitioned when she was 23. And she says, quote, but I was told that there was one cure and one thing to do if this is your problem and this will help you. So the article goes on to say progressives often portray the heated debate over childhood transgender care as a clash between those who are trying to help growing numbers of children express what they believe their genders to be and conservative politicians who won't let kids be themselves. But right wing demagogues are not the only ones who have inflamed this debate. Transgender, I love it. It's like, I, I love that you have to be right wing to believe that there are two sexes. It's like, it's simple biology. It's not a political issue. <laughs> it's a biological issue. It's scientific. But anyway, she, she goes on to say, transgender activists have pushed their own ideological extremism. Yes especially by pressing for a treatment orthodoxy that has faced increased scrutiny in, in recent years. Under that model of care, clinicians are expected to affirm a young person's assertion of gender identity and even provide medical treatment before or even without exploring other possible sources of distress. So yeah, so if you're young, you go to, to a, a doctor's office and say, you know, I want to be the opposite sex. They just have to do it. They just automatically have to do it. Otherwise, they're going to be thrown out of their jobs, which we'll get to in a minute. Many who think there needs to be a more cautious approach, including well-meaning liberal parents, doctors, and people who have undergone gender transition and subsequently regretted their procedures, have been attacked as anti-trans and intimidated into silencing their concerns. Powell, Grace Powell's story shows how easy it is for young people to get caught up by the pull of ideology in this atmosphere. Quote, what should be what should be a medical and psychological issue has been morphed into a political one. 
It's a mess, Grace Powell says. The article goes on to say, many transgender adults are happy with their transitions and whether they began to transition as adults or adolescents feel it was a life-changing, even feel that it was life-changing and even life-saving. The small but rapidly growing number of children who express gender dysphoria and who transition at an early age, according to clinicians, is a recent and more controversial phenomenon. This all kind of happened, I don't know, when, like around the pandemic, I think, is when this became a phenomenon, this rapid onset gender dysphoria, because I think kids had too much time on their hands and were watching way too many TikTok videos and look, going on the internet and Reddit and all that stuff. Laura Edwards Leeper, the founding psychologist of the first pediatric gender clinic in the United States, said that when she started her practice in 2007, most of her patients had long-standing and even deep-seated gender dysphoria. Transitioning clearly made sense for almost all of them, and any mental health issues that they had were generally resolved through gender transition. But this is not the case anymore. While she doesn't regret transitioning the earlier cohort of patients and, and opposes government bans on transgender medical care, she said, quote, as far as I can tell, there are no professional organizations who are stepping in to regulate what's going on. Most of her patients now, she said, have no history of childhood dis gender dysphoria. Others refer to this phenomenon with some controversy as rapid onset gender dysphoria, in which adolescents, particular tween, particularly tween and teenage girls, express gender dysphoria despite never having done so when they were younger. Frequently, they have mental health issues unrelated to gender. While professional associations say that there is a lack of quality research on rapid onset gender dysphoria, several researchers have documented the phenomenon and many healthcare providers have seen evidence of it in their practices. It doesn't take a scientist to, to see that this is obviously a social contagion. And that this is this is because of what's going on in the culture. So there's no mystery there. And the article goes on to say, yet those healthcare professionals and scientists who do not think clinicians should automatically agree to a young person's self-diagnosis are often afraid to speak out. A report commissioned by the, the National Health Service about Britain's Tavistock Gender Clinic, which until it was ordered to be shut down, was the country's only health center dedicated to gender, gender identity, noted that, quote, primary and secondary care staff have told us that they feel under pressure to adopt an unquestioning affirmative approach and that this is at odds with the standard process of clinical assessment and diagnosis that they have been trained to undertake in all other clinical encounters. We'll be right back after this short break. So for some reason, this issue, you just kind of sign a form and you're good to go. Of the dozens of students she trained as psych psychologists, Dr. Edwards Leeper said few still seem to be providing gender-related care. While her students have left the field for various reasons, quote, some have told me that they didn't feel that they could continue because of the pushback the accusations of being transphobic and from being pro-assessment and wanting a more thorough process. So basically, if you just you just get run out of town if if you don't comply with all of this. They have good reasons to be weary. Stephanie Wynn, a licensed marriage and family therapist in Oregon, was trained in gender-affirming care and 
I love this, this term gender affirming care. It's so Orwellian. It's like, no, it's actually not gender affirming care. It's genital mutilation. And it's very, very, very dangerous and makes a person a, a patient for life. But in 2020, after coming across detransition videos online, she began to doubt the gender affirming model. In 2021, she spoke out in favor of approaching gender dysphoria in a more considered way, urging others in the field to pay attention to detransitioners, people who no longer consider themselves transgender after undergoing medical or surgical interventions. She has since been attacked by transgender activists. Some threatened to send complaints to her licensing board, saying that she was trying to make trans kids change their minds through conversion therapy. See, like you can lose your job. In 2022, the Oregon Board of Licensed Professional Counselors and Therapists told Wynn that she was under investigation. Her case was ultimately dismissed, but Wynn no longer treats minors and practices only online, where many of her patients are worried parents of D, of trans-identifying children. Parents told me, and the, this goes on in the article, parents told me it was a struggle to balance the, des- the desire to compassionately support a child with gender dysphoria while seeking the best psychological and medical care. Many believe their kids were gay or dealing with an array of complicated issues, but all said that they felt compelled by gender clinicians, doctors, schools, social pressure to accede to the child's declared gender identity, even if, it had, even if they had serious doubts. They feared it would tear the family apart if they didn't unquestioningly support support social transition and medical treatment. All asked to speak anonymously, so desperate were they to maintain or repair any relationship with their children, some of whom were currently estranged. Several of those who questioned their child's self-diagnosis told me it had ruined their relationship. One mother described a meeting with a tr- with 12 other parents and a support group for relatives of trans-identified youth where all the participants described their children as autistic or otherwise neurodivergent. To all questions, the women running the meeting replied, just let them transition. The mother left in shock. How would hormones help a child with obsessive compulsive disorder or depression, she wondered. Many parents of kids who consider themselves trans say their children were introduced to trans- transgender influencers on YouTube and TikTok, a phenomenon intensified for, for some of the, by the isolation and online cocoon of COVID. Others say their kids learn these ideas in the classroom as early as elementary school, often chi- in child-friendly ways through curriculums supplied by trans, right or, trans rights organizations with concepts like the gender unicorn, and the gender-bred person. So elementary schools are brainwashing children, which is very and just unbelievable. After Kathleen's 15-year-old son, whom she described as an obsessive child, abruptly told his parents she he was trans, the doctor who was going to assess whether he had ADHD referred him instead to someone who specialized in both ADHD and gender. Kathleen, who asked to be identified only by her first name to protect her son's privacy, assumed that the specialist would do some kind of evaluation or assessment. That was not the case. The meeting was brief and began on a shocking note. So in front of her son, (laughs) the therapist says, do you want a dead son or a live daughter? Talk about emotional blackmail. 
Parents are routinely warned that to pursue any path outside of agreeing with a child's self-declared gender identity is to put a gender dysphoric youth at risk for suicide, which feels to many people like emotional blackmail. Proponents of the gender-affirming model have cited studies showing an association between that standard of care and a low risk of suicide. But those studies were found to, were found to have methodological flaws and have been deemed not entirely conclusive. A survey of studies on the psychological effects of cross-sex hormones published three years ago in the Journal of the Endocrine Society, the professional organization for hormone specialists, found it, quote, could not draw any conclusions about death by suicide. No reliable evidence to suggest that hormonal transition is an effective suicide prevention measure. So you don't hear that often in mainstream news. Moreover, the incidence of suicidal thoughts and attempts among gender dysphoric youth is complicated by the high incidence of accompanying conditions such as autism spectrum disorder. As one systematic overview put it, children with gender dysphoria often experience a range of psychiatric comorbidities with a high prevalence of mood and anxiety disorders, trauma, eating disorders, and autism spectrum conditions suicidality and self-harm. So, I mean, I, I think that there's so much going on with kids now in terms of all of these disorders and all this anxiety. And I think a lot of it has to do with not only the whole pandemic, but also with the overwhelmingness of social media of Instagram, TikTok, and all this social media where kids are constantly imbibing it. And they're just, they feel like, oh, my life isn't like that person's life. And why, why do, why don't I look as good as they do? Or why can't I do that? It's just this constant, it just creates this anxiety in kids. So yeah, social media is not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I try to stay off of it as much as I can, but it's, yeah, it's bad. Pediatricians, psychologists, and other clinicians who dissent from this orthodoxy believe that it is not based on reliable evidence, feel frustrated by their professional organizations. The American Psychological Association, American Psychiatric Association, and the American Academy of Pediatrics have wholeheartedly backed the gender-affirming model. Now, this is like the, the, the American Psychological Association and Psychiatric Association not that long ago called this, this idea of trans a mental dis disorder that needed, you know, someone needed therapy and mental health, mental health care, not gender affirming care, as it's called. In 2021, Aaron Kimberly, a 50-year-old trans man and registered nurse, left the clinic in British Columbia where his job focused on the intake of an assessment of gender dysphoric youth. Kimberly received a comprehensive screening when he embarked on his own successful transition at age 33, which resolved the gender dysphoria he experienced from an early age. But when the gender-affirming model was introduced at his clinic, he was instructed to support the initiation of hormone treatment for incoming patients, regardless of whether they had complex mental problems, experiences with trauma, or otherwise severely unwell. When he referred patients for further mental health care, rather than immediate hormone treatment, he said he was accused of what they called gatekeeping 
and had to change jobs. So yeah, you can, again, you can lose your job if, if you don't immediately do this gender affirming model. And Kimberly, this guy, this person says, I realized something had gone off the rails. And it goes on to say, gay men and women often told me they fear that same-sex attracted kids, especially effeminate boys and tomboy girls who are gender non-conforming, will be transitioned during a normal phase of childhood and before sexual maturation, and that gender ideology can mask and even abet homophobia. As one detransitioned man, now in a gay relationship, put it, Quote, I was a gay man pumped up to look like a woman and dated a lesbian who was pumped up to look like a man. If that's not conversion therapy, I don't know what is. <laughs> Quote, I transitioned because I didn't want to be gay. Casey Emmerich, a 23-year-old woman and detransitioner from Pennsylvania, told me. Raised in a conservative Christian church, she said, I believed homosexuality was a sin. When she was 15, Emmerich confessed her homosexuality to her mother. Her mother attributed her sexual orientation to trauma from abuse by her father. In May 2017, Casey Emmerich began searching gender online and began searching the word gender online and encountered trans advocacy websites. After real realizing she could, quote, pick the other side, she told her mother, I'm sick of being called a and not a real girl. If she were a man, she would be free to pursue relationships with women. That September, she and her mother met with a licensed professional counselor in the first of the two 90-minute consultations. She told the counselor that she had wished to be a Boy Scout rather than a Girl Scout. She said she didn't like being gay or a butch lesbian. She also told the counselor that she had suffered from anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. The clinic recommended testosterone, which was pres prescribed by a nearby LGBTQ health clinic. She says, quote, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm having my breasts removed. I'm 17. I'm too young for this. But she went ahead with the operation anyway. Transition, she says, quote, transition felt like a way to control something when I couldn't control anything in my life. But after living as a trans man for five years, I realized my mental health symptoms were only getting worse. In the fall of 2022, she came out as a detransitioner on Twitter and was immediately attacked. Transgender influencers told her she was bald and ugly. She received multiple threats. She says, I thought my life was over. I realized I had lived a lie for over five years. Today, her voice is permanently altered by testosterone. So yeah, it's not good to the trans activist dictum that children know their gender best, it is important to add some something all parents know from experience. Children change their minds all the time. Wow. One mother told me that after her teenage son desisted, meaning he pulled back from being trans, he explained, I was just rebelling. I like to, I look at it as, like a subculture, like being goth. So that's what I always talk about with this whole trans movement is, is that it's the new way to be punk rock or, you know, back in the day, people would get tattoos or, you know, a mohawk or they would rebel in different ways, you know, with drugs, they would experiment with drugs or alcohol or whatever. But now they become trans because that's the way to 
be punk rock and to rebel. Sasha Ayad, who is the co-author of a book called When Kids Say They're Trans, A Guide for Thoughtful Parents. She advises parents to be wary wary of gender af- of the gender affirmation model. Quote, we've always known that adolescents are particularly malleable in relationship to their peers and their social context. And that exploration is often an attempt to navigate difficulties on that stage, such as puberty, coming to terms with the responsibilities and complications of young adulthood, romance, and solidifying their sexual orientation. For providing this kind of exploratory approach in her own practice with gender dysphoric youth, Sasha Ayad has had her license challenged twice, both times by adults who were not her patients. Both times charges the charges were dismissed. Studies show that around 8 in 10 cases of childhood gender dysphoria resolve themselves by puberty. And 30% of people on hormone therapy therapy discontinue its use within four years, though the effects, including infertility, are often irreversible. At the end of her freshman year of college, Grace Powell, the, the girl we were talking about in the beginning, horrifically depressed, began dissociating, feeling detached from her body and feeling and from reality, which had never happened to her before. Ultimately, she said, the process of transition didn't make me feel better. It magnified what I found was wrong with myself. And the the article, I'm almost done. The article goes on to say, many detransitioners say they face ostracism and silencing because of the toxic politics around transgender issues. Quote, it is extraordinarily frustrating to feel that something I am is inherently political, Powell told me. I've been accused multiple times that I'm some right winger who's making a fake narrative to discredit transgender people, which is just crazy. In a recent study, in the archives of sexual behavior, about 40 young detransitioners out of 78 surveyed said they had s- suffered from rapid, rapid onset gender dysphoria. Trans activists have fought hard to suppress any discussion of rapid onset gender dysphoria, despite evidence that the condition is real. In its guide for journalists, the activist organization GLAD, I've been to a GLAD Awards. I went to a GLAD award ceremony years ago. GLAD warns the media against using the term as, as it is not a, quote, formal condition or diagnosis. Human Rights Campaign, another activist group, calls it a right-wing theory. Nobody knows how many young people desist after social, medical, or surgical transitions. Trans activists often cite low regret rates for gender transition along with low figures for detransition. But those studies, which have which often rely on self-reported cases to gender clinics, likely understate the actual numbers. None of the seven detransitioners I interviewed, for for instance, even considered reporting back to the gender clinics that prescribed them the medication they now consider to have been a mistake. Nor did they know any other detransitioners who had done so. So yeah, these these kids who detransition aren't reporting that they're detransitioning. So. The, the studies are are skewed. In countries like Sweden, France, Norway, the, the Netherlands, and Britain, long considered exemplars of gender progress. Please explain to me what gender progress is. Medical professionals have recognized that early research on medical interventions for ch- childhood gender dysphoria was 
either faulty or incomplete. Last month, the World Health Organization, in explaining why it is developing a guideline on the health of trans and gender diverse people, said it will cover only adults because the evidence base for children and adolescents is limited and variable regarding the longer term outcomes of gender affirming care for children and adolescents. So even the the World Health Organization is now shifting gears and is on is against gender affirming care for children. Other countries have recently halted or limited the medical and surgical treatment of gender dysphoric youth pending further study. Britain's Tavistock Clinic was ordered to, sh- to be shut down next month after a National Health Service commissioned investigation found deficiencies in service and a lack of consensus and open discussion about the nature of gender dysphoria and therefore about the appropriate clinical response. Meanwhile, the American medical establishment has hunkered down, stuck in an outdated model of gender affirmation. Paul Garcia Ryan is gay, but as a boy, he said, quote, it was much less threatening to my psyche to think that I was a straight girl born in the wrong body, that I had a medical condition that could be tended to. When he visited a clinic at 15, the clinician immediately affirmed he was female and rather than explore the reasons for his mental distress, simply confirmed Paul Garcia Ryan's belief that he was not meant to be a man. God decides who is a man or a woman. We don't decide that. God created us. Once in college, he began medically transitioning and, and eventually had surgery on his genitals. Severe medical complications from both the surgery and hormone medication led him to reconsider what he had done and to detransition. He also reconsidered the basis of gender affirmation, which as a licensed clinical social worker at a gender clinic, he had to be trained in and provide to clients. Quote, you're made to believe these slogans, he said, quote, evidence-based, life-saving care, safe and effective, medically necessary. The science is settled. And none of that is evidence-based. It's like the slogan that we heard, I guess, in the 90s, early 2000s, safe, legal, and rare. Remember that? That was all a lie. So anyway, I yeah, when I saw this piece in, in all places, the New York Times, I was very pleased because I know all of these these groups are going to read are reading this article and i think it's going to make oh, i'm praying it's going to shift this whole model and shift this whole thing turn this whole thing around where kids are not allowed to do this because it is absolutely dangerous and it's harmful it's harming to children so anyway I was surprised and shocked, but glad they they wrote this and the they put this in the New York Times. And I hope that helped you. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Thank you to the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find more faith-centered podcasts about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.
Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith then he grins and says do you trust me because together we can do this with mornings with Jesus you can start your day in a positive way find hope through inspirational stories and scripture go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for mornings with Jesus you can also download the abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com